Welcome. I'm Big Tone, the re-educating dad. Good to be here with you again, dear listener, for 30 minutes of cross-generational banter with my daughter, little Tony, who has, over the course of the past 66 episodes, been earnestly trying to teach this old dog new tricks. In other words, little Tone thinks she's the one who is re-educating this dad. What's up, little Tone? Hello. I think I have been successfully re-educating. Okay. But, you know, <laughs> you're still a conservative, so obviously not well enough. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe you've, maybe, you've, maybe you've moved me a little bit more in your direction. Oh, what are you yeah. drinking there? I heard something pouring. Coconut water. Okay, well that, Full of should, electrolytes. Okay, you should be all right with that. Anyway, in our previous episodes, we dis, well, in, a, in our previous episode, singular, we discussed the Labour Party conference, um, which I found utterly depressing. Uh, Captain Hindsight, Sir Starmer, whatever his name is, Starmer. What's his first name? Sir something. Kia. Kia, thank you. Yes, I should remember that. So Kia Starmer. Really depressing guy uh, to listen to, uh, but we both agreed that it's not a cre- it's not providing credible opposition. Um, for, it's basically, uh, as I see it, it's a very divided party. It's a party divided between the Corbynites, um, who you love, of course, uh, and the Starmerites, who are so boring that. Nobody wants to listen to them. In fact, I do think that Jeremy Corbyn is actually a lot more interesting than Starmer. He's just bonkers. Um, so uh, last week we had the Tory party conference by contrast, uh, positive, uplifting, uh, ended with a This great... is all opinion-based. <laughs> yes, yes, I will get your opinion in a minute. <laughs> it ended with a great keynote speech, but I have a big but. No, I don't. No, I shouldn't have said that. I have to rephrase that. <laughs> I have Go a big reservation. I have a re- big reservation about it, which we can talk more about. But uh, for those of you who are listening from other countries, and I know we have a good fellowship in the uh, uh, in the United States. I said fellowship, not fellowship, in the United States uh, and Canada. Uh, and so just. So that you're aware, basically, we're a two-party system in the UK. Uh, Tory on one side, the Conservative Party, sort of a little bit like the Republican Party in the United States, but no, nowhere near so far to the right. And we have the Labour Party, um, which uh, is actually equivalent, I suppose, to the Democrats, but they and the Labour Party are considerably more to the left, or they used to be. They've been pulled more in a right-wing direction uh, or um, left of centre, shall we say, by Sakia Starmer. Unfortunately, though, because the Tory party, in my view, has moved so much to, to the centre, it is making it very difficult for the Labour Party to get any traction. And they had a bonkers leader, a bonkers very left leader in the shape of Jeremy Corbyn, um, and uh, he appealed a lot to young voters like Little Tone here, uh, but uh, unfortunately lost um, a lot of the uh, 
grassroots support, especially in the north of England, um, amongst older uh, Labour Party voters, because essentially he was running a Marxist agenda. But anyway, we'll hear from Little Tone, I'm sure, on that. But I asked Little Tone to um, to uh, suck it up and actually listen to Boris's speech so that we could both talk about it in this episode. Uh, it was received well by the Tory faithful. It was received a lot less well by the business community, of which, in my only tiny, my tiny little way, I am one. And I do have severe reservations about it. But I really want to hear now, as I've gone on for far too long, uh, from Little Tone about what she thought of it. Over to you. Oh, God. Well, I'm sure that we'll talk more, you know, through the actual points that he made. But I feel like with all of the um, speeches Boris has given, it's very much like, you know how an Instagram is like a highlights reel of someone's life? I feel like he only really talks about the highlights reel of all the work that, that it, you know, him and the Tory party have been doing. Um, and they never, ever really talk about... See, see, I think that a good speech is one that is balanced, one that speaks about the, the successes and also speaks about the shortfalls. And I think, you know, while he bangs on about how, what a success the vaccine has been over the last year... Um, there's obviously a huge inquiry happening into the failure to produce a good track and trace system that um, uh, costs £10 billion, um, or the fact that the there's an inquiry into the fact, sorry, inquiry into uh, the fact that they delayed the lockdown by a week, which less, which resulted in considerable more loss of life, even though it was uh, against sage advice. Um, so for me, it would have been very important, but it's not, uh, at all what the Tory government is like when it comes to speeches, but it would have been a lot more important to talk about the shortfall as well. Um, and your, your dog agrees. Yeah. Yeah. She's my personal hype woman. <laughs> um, and, um, I mean, there, have, there have been, <laughs> My father-in-law's just got home. Um, he's went hello in the background. Um, there have been lots and lots of problems that have come out, come through Brexit as well, which um, uh, are being realised in retrospect. And I feel like there should have been some foresight with a lot of them. For instance, the problems with lack of staff, because um, there's a huge um, lack of um, security staff across the UK now that uh, a lot, lots of people from Europe have had to go home. Um, there's a huge lack of building supplies, uh, a lack of food, uh, and obviously it's affected my sector a lot. So the cultural sector has been impacted by the fact that it's almost impossible to tour in Europe. Um, unemployment issues are considerably bad because of uh, lockdown because lots of companies have moved to online and they have basically shut down so many huge physical shops um, meaning that they are selling basically just online now so they've lost all of their um, retail staff um, what else um, 
Well, let me let me give you my um, thoughts on it now. Uh, you did you've you've done great so far. I, I would I I think we're on the same page as far as it was very much a um, big up the big up our, our successes and like pats on the back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's what Boris does. I mean, it was a feel good speech as an after dinner speech. It was brilliant, really. Um, it it was, had lots of humour in it. There was some great jibes at, at uh, Captain uh, Hindsight. Um, well, that's actually sorry. Before you go on quickly. That's actually one thing that I really hate about both sides is the jibing. I think it's really unprofessional. Well, I think that I think the knocking bits out of each other, you know, whenever they get interviewed, I think that's the public doesn't like that. I think we've discussed that in a, on our yeah, we so, have, and I agree with that. But he also, but this was, I think these were jokes largely, and they went down well with the Tory faithful because they were actually quite funny. The problem with the speech was that it lacked substance at a time, and you're highlighting this in many of the points that you're making, at a time when we're in crisis. I mean, we are in a mm. crisis situation at the moment. And I think he made a very big mistake in trying to blame business owners by, by saying that um, business owners have effectively been drunk on cheap overseas labour, which I don't think is, is true at all. Um, I think that the uh, I think that there is a bit of an issue. I say this as a business owner uh, who has not employed. I mean, you know, my my key uh, member of staff is 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 a British woman and, and absolutely works a tail off. She's brilliant, diligent in every respect. But that is not my general experience of British workers that I've employed over the decades. And I find I have found that. Foreign workers, who immigrants um, have been, just had a far better work ethic, on the whole, yeah. than, than British uh, people. And I, you know, I don't say that. You know, I, I don't say that in in a critic. It's, it's really a bad thing to generalise with these sort of things. But it's honestly what I've found. Um, yeah, that's and, that's and, probably my experience as well. And I think that it's largely to do with the sense of entitlement. People seem to feel like they don't need to work yeah, hard I think, to, I, I think, I think, to get a job. I think you're um, dead right, yeah. I think you're dead whereas right. Whereas you get, you get a lot of people that immigrate over um, from countries where they would earn less money doing the same work, and they're happy to do the work because they're being paid better over yes, here. Yes, ex ex exact, exactly right. And uh, I think you're right about that entitlement aspect. And nothing seems to be beneath them either. So they, they're not going to, they don't think that cleaning jobs are beneath them or working in kitchens is beneath them. Whereas yeah. I think that a lot of our younger uh, people do think it's beneath them. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, I think that's right. And you, you can, I mean, if you want a microcosm, look at that, just go into a restaurant, go into a pizza restaurant, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, you, if you go and it, it's actually quite difficult now because there aren't many, there aren't many foreign staff there, but you know, you, you rarely come across an English server. And if you do, you rarely come across one who's, who's good. Um, and a very quick, um, a quick anecdote is, um, I um, actually, when I came out of uni, the only job I could get was a cleaning job. And I, and I think doing a job like that is very grounding because it's mm. really hard work. Yes. So I actually think that it's, um, it's a good thing to do. Yes. Sorry, go on. 
So, so um, I think he's dead wrong, and uh, many uh, much more uh, uh, well-known and respected business people, other than better than myself, have said this. Uh, I think he was dead wrong in saying that the uh, British employers were drunk on on uh, employing cheap overseas workers for the reason for that reason but more than that i mean it was just an economically illiterate thing to say because the way business works and you you can't get away from this but the way that businesses work is that they are supposed to get the best value that they can that is available that's how a business works um and so you know it, 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 what we have done, and people, a lot of people put this down to Brexit, and I suppose in a sense there's truth in that, but I'm a supporter of Brexit, uh, the concept of Brexit. I think it's been good for us. But, in, but where we have gone wrong is to, is to shut out um, people that we badly need as employees. We've shut them out. Because what we've done is we've said we only want these elite, highly skilled people, and then what we and then what the government has designated as highly skilled are very rarefied positions, and they don't include people uh, such as the people that we've been talking about. And I don't think that those are unskilled jobs. I think it's a I think I think it's a mistake and a disgrace to call them unskilled jobs. Uh, oh, so you, maybe maybe you have re-educated me there. Um, <laughs> but actually, it's actually I feel you know something that I feel strongly about. They uh, foreign work foreign, foreign workers have been fantastic in our business and continue to be fantastic in our business. And to to shut them out and say that we've got to try and find people, and whatever it costs, we should pay them whatever they want if provided they're British, uh, is just a stupid business policy. And what it leads to is, 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 is employing not such good people at more money. And what does that lead to? It only leads to one thing. That's inflation. Prices go up because costs have gone up. Hmm. And then we get into deep doo-doo. And I see, as I see it, that's the way we're headed. Do you know what? I can't get, you know, because as you know, now I live in the countryside, which is lovely. I absolutely love it. But you know what? I cannot get basic things done. You know, for the first time in my life, I've got, you know, a decent amount of money and I want to spend it and I want to get things done. and I want to maintain my property and do things. And I can't get anyone to do anything. You know, you, you can't even get them to come and quote. <laughs> I'll do it, Dad. What do you need? <laughs> You know, I mean... Need some pictures putting up. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's unbelievable. With a few exceptions, and there are some, a few very good exceptions, but that with a few exceptions, getting things done is really difficult. What else has happened? Doctors have pretty much given up working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. So dentists you, you, as you well. You can't get dentists. I mean, they think they're God's gift now. So, you know, you have to pretty much go on your hands and knees to get a, an appointment. Whether You've it's got a, to pay them before you go. <laughs> yeah, whether it's a doctor's appointment, whether it's a, a dental appointment. You, you certainly can't get NHS dentists, but I've been going privately all my life. But now even, it doesn't matter what you're paying. Yeah, you it's very, very difficult. They're talking months, sometimes years ahead for an appointment. Ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and actually, a lot of our a lot of our care staff are from abroad, 
you know, if you go into a hospital, we, there's a large amount of Filipinos, there's a large amount of Polish people. And unfortunately, nurses are one of the groups of people that are considered unskilled. And, you know, in Boris's speech, he did talk about um, setting a standard rate of 30,000 for teachers. But I just don't understand why we're not seeing nurses' salaries improve. It's, it's baffling because that is a skilled job. And of course it is. People. Of course it is. You have to be qualified to be a nurse. Of course, I, mean, I, don't, I can't understand for one moment why you wouldn't classify it as that. But, but why, do... after the last year, are we not making that a priority? You know, because these people have actually held our loved ones while they've passed away. Yeah. And, well, I, I know. Yeah. Anyway. But 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 for that matter, HGV drivers are also they are skilled workers. You know, driving one of those things, they're key workers and they're skilled. Driving one of those things is not easy. No. Um, And we we just do things that are anti-business. So one of the big things is this IR35, which I'm sure probably has impacted your business to a certain extent, whereby, because it would probably, I'm sure, impact performance, who probably work freelance, you tell me. But, but, you know, now uh, a lot of these HGV drivers have gone away because they used to be able to work on a freelance basis, but now because of IR35, they have to be classified as employees. Um, and uh, that has made it unattractive for them. Mm. Yeah. So, so we, have a, we have a big shortage of, of, of drivers and we can't get supplies delivered. It's ridiculous. I believe Can in I the la- say- Go on. Yeah, no, you go. I, no, 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 I, you no, I, no, no. I've spoken far too long. You carry on. Well, I've only really got a couple more sort of negative things to say, but there were some things in his speech. I missed a portion of the end because we came on to do the podcast and I already had quite a lot of information anyway. But a couple of things that I was annoyed by was the, um, the sort of jibe about decriminalizing drugs um, because, you know, we've already done episodes uh, there's so much evidence-based research that proves that countries that decriminalize drugs have a lower crime rate and i think our understanding around drugs is improving and changing all the time as well you know microdosing ketamine and cyclocybin has um, proven to be really really good for people with anxiety and people with depression and it, uh, cyclocybin is about to become legal in california because it has such positive um effects and i think that Again, we should be looking at investing money in education and safe drug use uh, rather, and into community um, programs rather into decriminalizing. Um, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's the right I, thing. I agree um, with yeah. And also, you know, stuff like uh, microdosing ketamine has also been really proven really effective for people that have um, nerve deteriorating conditions, for people with like MS and you know, mobility um, issues and uh, people like myself. Um, uh, But also the slight praising of the police as well, which I think was quite insensitive timing. Um, I think that there's there's not a way to say anything good about the police right now that is sensitive to the families of the victims that have been lost this year specifically, um, especially at the hands of police officers um, and I think that they're not addressing the need to remove or, or the fact that people want uh, Christina Dick to be removed um, 
I did appreciate the the comments about uh, violence towards women, though, because I think it's a really important subject right now. Um, and I, I did think that it was really good that he said that. Um, because, you know, we've, we've lost 105 plus women already this year at the hands of violent men. Um, and although he didn't say what was going to be done, which was a shame, um, because that would have been really good. Um, and also, you know, in terms of Cressida Dick and... Um, we ought to explain who Cressida Dick is. Oh, is it Cressida? It's Cressida, yeah. Uh, oh, but, sorry. Well, that's how Cressida I... I mean, I, I don't really know, but that's how I normally hear it pronounced. Um, Cressida Dick is the... Uh, um, head of the Met Police. The head of the Met Police, and uh, uh, she has come under, uh, come under a lot of criticism uh, for for things you know that have gone wrong um, under on her watch and which uh, well she's 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 there are many many MPs who are calling for her to go, uh, but she seems to want to hang on with, uh, with with white knuckles to her job. I mean, uh, one of the one of the things is that she's just announced that there's going to be no further action taken against Prince Andrew, and um, obviously that is really worrying <laughs> well that you know that that's um, that's a case of the police marking its own homework which they like to do lots because mm. the fact is they they have done a couple of looks at these allegations in the past and they've always concluded as they did most recently that that they're not going to investigate it any further not not that they haven't found any evidence but not but they are not going to investigate investigate it any further well i don't know how much more evidence you need than an actual photograph of him in Ghislaine maxwell's house with his arm actually around the the bare midriff of of of, of, of um what's her name um victoria i don't know but i'm really Catherine. shocked by all the things you're saying today i'm feeling quite proud oh, <laughs> not proud but, but... <laughs> But, uh, I mean, but I mean, you know, the way that... The, I think that the, 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 the public are owed more of an explanation than there will be no further action. Of course, especially in, view of, especially in view of that photograph. And he's denied it ever meeting her. Well, have they put even the question, you know, how is it that you're there with, an, with your arm round her waist then? <laughs> and it does make you wonder whether there's some sort of protection for the monarchy that it goes beyond the law. Well, I think it's. I think we know what it is. It's. It's an assumption. The establishment uh, is right. Is always to be believed before the mere commoner, the mere subject. I think is the way I would look at that. Um, you know, we don't want to offend the, Her Majesty the Queen and the establishment of the monarchy. So, of course, we're not going to investigate this. Um, you know, I don't know how they could have come to that conclusion. I, w I would have thought that even just from a public relations point of view, um, they would want to at least go through the motions of investigating it and coming out with some kind of conclusion rather than just saying we have decided that there's, we're not going to look any further at this. Um, when, you know, the, it's such a bad look with him having dodged the legal papers from the United States and Yep. Uh, you know, that terrible car crash interview that he did on uh, BBC's Newsnight, where, you know, where he came over just looking so bad. 
so I, you know, but anyway, it's, it's just, but let's face it. It's a bit like our GP service and it's just gone away. I mean, the, the, the police service is effectively not there. You try calling them, you see if your house gets broken into or anything happens to you and you need the police, that you'll be very lucky if you get them there. You've got all these, um, you know, that we, we, at the moment, almost every morning, we've got these, uh, what are they called? Insulate Britain idiots who, who are making terrible nuisance of themselves. And they've got members of the public pleading with them, saying, I've got to get my, to my, my, you know, my mother's in hospital. I've got to get there. And you're sitting, and they're saying, oh, they're just sitting there gluing themselves to the road, even though they've got an injunction against them saying they mustn't do it. And the police aren't even there. The reporters get there half an hour or an hour ahead of the police. Hmm. The reporters I mean, I wouldn't, call, I wouldn't call them idiots. I think that activism comes from a place. And I think, you know, we've spoken about this before. It's all about trying to understand our fellow human. Um, I think that there's a reason why they're protesting. Well, there's a reason why, be... there's a, sorry, but there's a reason why people do all, everything, really. But the point is, if it's against the law and it shouldn't be done, then and people who want to go about their lawful business and see their dying mothers and deliver their children to school and get to their um, hospital appointments, and these people are, like, are sitting down and refusing to move for, you know, really... I, really, you know, I, I can't really even understand what they want you know that 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 guy was found. You know, with all these diesel cars and all this sort of thing. Yeah, he, the chief insulate man or boy or whatever he is. You know, I mean, as I've said before, there is so much hypocrisy in these activists. So much hypocrisy, and yet they do. No this human is perfect. No human is perfect. No, I'm not and, asking and... for perfection. I'm not asking for perfection. Just don't ruin other people's lives. You know, no, but that's not that's not what's happening. I mean, so for instance, just very quickly to go off subject, you know that I I went and did a tour of um of Brom Brompton Cemetery last Sunday, and oh, yeah. um, I was really quite looking forward to seeing Emmeline Pankhurst's grave. Yes, and um, so at the beginning, when the tour guide said, "Oh, you know, who whose grave are you interested in seeing?" myself and lots of other women said. Emmeline Pankhurst mm -hmm. for obvious reasons she was a suffragette yes and he, he uh kind of like shrugged it off like a fine yeah we'll do it, whatever this is a, a man in his late 60s and when we actually got quite to young the grave, not old but I'm just saying that he's yeah, I'm just joking he he was just yeah it wasn't a very polite thing to do when you've got paying customers but mm -hmm. he took us to her, her grave and, and called her a terrorist and mm -hmm. actually you know, you, you, that might be something that you would say about these, um, you know, Extinction Rebellion people that are, you know, uh, using more violent um, types of activism. But actually, although she was blowing up glycerin bombs in, the, in London and, you know, she was causing destruction, she's one of the people that is responsible for the female vote. So, um, um, that that really annoyed me straight away because <laughs> you know we, you and I've talked about it quite a lot physical activism is does have its place and it is important you know and when when rich wealthy people that have power are constantly ignoring poor people who would like some kind of equality they resort to violent violence or rioting 
Yeah, but what... And, but and sometimes think, that works. I, but I, I'm sure that Emily Pankhurst um, was not a hypocrite. I don't think that she... Well, I'm sure, she, I'm sure she's not perfect. I'm sure she wasn't a perfect human being. I'm sure there was some type of hypocrisy there. Well, it's there, like there you, been, you talking to me there about... There might have been, but I, do, but, I, but I mean, you know, you can justify anything if you try hard enough. I, I think it's totally unjustifiable for these people to... Uh, to disrupt. Well, I mean, I'm a, hip I'm a hit hypocrite. I care about the climate, but I don't drive an electric car. I advocate for veganism and I eat honey. You know, yeah, but no you don't go perfect. out. You, you don't go out and stop people from getting to their hospital appointments. I might do though if if I was really worried about climate change and my government were ignoring me constantly. But they're not even. This country is doing more than it's nearly not any more. other. It's doing near, more. It's not than, doing well, more. Well, tell me other countries that are doing more. Well, Iceland is at the forefront, actually. Pretty much any Scandi country is ahead of us. And okay. I'm sorry, but like, I mean, even Scotland are, are trying to improve things, you know, in a in a more realistic time frame than. than well, all right, is. maybe there. Are, I'll concede that maybe there are Nordic countries that are doing um, more than us, but it, we are still doing a lot. We are we are very much at the forefront of trying to persuade the big polluters like. We are not doing and enough. China. Well, you, no, 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 but, we're, but we, we are not putting enough. enough we're not putting enough responsibility onto big corporations. And that's one of the biggest problems. We're not doing enough for All the right. fishing industry. And ask, you and I agree on this. Let me ask you. Yeah, we do agree on that. But let me ask you this. Do you really think that this activity of, 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 of blocking people going about their everyday important chores, tasks... Do you really think that that's either helping? Do you think that that's either helping this cause, the cause that we both care about, the climate change cause, or hurting it? Which of those it. two? I think that they're not causing enough of a di disruption in order to uh, to get more of a reaction. So, so my my issue is with them is that there's not enough of them, and they're not causing enough disruption in order to actually get the government to listen to them. So they might as well not be doing it because there's no point doing something like that and in, in, when it's half-assed, you mm. know, you need a lot of people. And that's why when we had the uh, Extinction Rebellion protests in London, they were more effective because there were more people and they were causing more, more of an obstruction for people to get to work. And... Um, it is. I think it's really difficult to talk about this subject without people doing a lot of research and reading about rioting, rioting and um, aggressive and violent types of activism. Because if you look at history, a lot of our um, progression has happened because of it. Like if you look at people like Che Guevara, and it, it's important to really look into it a lot more um, because... I remember when the riots were happening in, um, was it like, is it, was it like, it was like South London somewhere, wasn't it? Brixton. Where the people were like, people were like smashing up shops and destroying buildings. And, and there was a massive divide in society of people saying, disgusting, you know, they, they're ruining their own country, they're, they're essentially terrorists. And there was a lot of other people saying, poor people can't put up with any more. We can't put up with any more shit. You need to listen to us. There are no jobs. There are no this. There's no that. Like, you, you're letting people literally burn alive in Grenfell Tower 
and then looking the other way and pretending nothing ever happens. Well, there are so many issues that we could talk about here, but we've come to the end of our time. What, 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 actually, at the moment, though, you could not, going back to Boris's speech, and we'll end it here, um, you certainly can't say that people are short of jobs at the moment. It's actually, though, job, job vacancies are now at an all-time high. Uh, but it, And it's interesting, however, that a lot of people prefer, through choice, to remain unemployed. Um, There's a lot of people out of work in the cultural industry because yeah. of what's happened over the last two years. I don't, I don't doubt so, that. But there so are some industries jobs. might be booming. They might yeah. be booming. But, I mean, even Morrison's right next to me have made all of their drivers redundant. They've stopped doing home deliveries. So I've got a lot of friends that are out of work and not by choice. Okay, but but job vacancies are at an all-time high at the moment. In certain industries. Well, obviously. <laughs> Yeah. There aren't, you know, yeah, but that doesn't that doesn't mean overall high. It means there are a high in certain industries. There's still a lot of people that are out of work and out of the work that they train to do. Yeah, but that but that, that's just a function of the, the changing world. You know, you're not people don't put shoes on horsemiths. Uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> shoes on horses very very much now, <laughs> or, because there isn't a lot so much call for it now that there's the motor car. Uh, things change. Um, and 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 as a result of that, people have to shift industries. Like the coal miners is a good example. You you're interested in climate change. You don't want people to be remain employed in the coal mining industry, do you? No, but the for instance, the cultural industry has been affected by COVID and lockdown and Brexit. It's not been it's not been affected because it wasn't a financially. Um, it wasn't a profitable industry. No, no, I agree. The cultural, obviously, the cultural industry, rather like the travel industry, has been yeah. terribly impacted because of its special place in the world. Um, and I don't doubt any of that. But anyway, uh, this has been a really interesting discussion. Uh, I've enjoyed it very much. I think we've covered a lot of ground, not in sufficient depth. There are a lot of things there that we could drill down into. But we, we, I think we, we're broadly in agreement with. Uh, our um, views on Boris's uh, keynote speech. So um, we'll leave it there. Uh, obviously, to our listeners, thank you for your uh, loyal uh, loyal support. And uh, if you'd like to weigh in on any of these topics or give us feedback on uh, uh, what we've had to say today, uh, we, we always love to get it, whether it be um, uh, negative or positive. And uh, whoever you side with, it's, it always seems to be little tone that you side with. But that's okay. I don't think that we're on opposing sides this time. I agree no. with a lot of stuff that you no, said. No, you did indeed. Um, but there are still things that we are not quite in harmony over, shall we put it that well, way? Well, diversity is the spice <laughs> of life. So we will leave it there. So thank you to my co-host, Little Tone, and thank you to all you dear listeners. And please, we love to hear from you, and we will look forward to chatting more with you next time. So from for now, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Bye, everyone.